Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. at Discovery Church in Boise, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill. Well, good morning, Syndicate. My name is Bob. I'm one of the elders at Redemption Hill. It is good to be together this morning, and I wanted to start off by talking about something easy, uh, and that's changing the world. Of course, the problem when we start talking about changing the world is that everyone wants to change the world, but no one wants to change what? Me. Themselves. Yes, exactly. So, there's a crucial move that we need to make in ourselves if we're ever going to be the communities that we need to be for ourselves, for each other, and for the world. One of the largest shifts that's happened within the church, I think, in the last century is the the consumerization of church community. Now, when I say church consumers, probably everyone has a picture, some idea of what I'm talking about. Like you can kind of... You know, right? But like when we mention the word greed, everyone knows someone else who is greedy. But none of us struggle with that, right? That is, it's easily identifiable in others, but really tough to see in our own selves. Our consumeristic tendencies when it comes to church community are stubbornly difficult to ferret out. Why is this important? Why do we have to turn the mirror on ourselves? These days, as uh, one philosopher has said, consumption is a system of meaning. In other words, you become what you buy. You buy to become, to create an identity. You are what you consume. We make choices based not so much on rational things like quality and value, though we tell ourselves we do, but rather on how those things make us feel. This is the foundation of all marketing, if you think about it. I once bought a Jeep, uh, not because it was a practical car. It was not in any way, shape, or form. Not because it was reliable, it was pretty good, but really because of how it made me feel about myself and what I thought it would communicate to others. I wanted to be a Jeep guy, so I bought a Jeep. And for you, it may not be cars so much. It might be the phone that you use. Some of you are iPhone people, some of you are Android people, and never the twain shall meet, right? The music that you listen to, the clothes you wear, the party you vote for. As consumerism molds our culture and increasingly our very thinking, the consumer mentality becomes the force that drives our behavior and choices in every area 
as we interact with the world around us. Given that religion has for many become nothing but a subculture through which we express our preferences and identity choices, it's a growing tendency for us to adapt consumer behavior whenever dealing with the church. Too many of us, I think, look at the church today as simply another service provider in the marketplace of faith and experiences where our our chief question is not, where can I meet the God who is and be transformed in community, but rather, where can I find the community and the version of God that most aligns with my already determined preferences? And in order to attract the most attendance, the most consumers, many churches adjust themselves to the culture, seeking to provide the best services, the best experience for their customers. God and community have become, for too many of us, a consumable good. And the most fundamental basic problem with that is, is this, and I really believe this, what you win them with is what you win them to. In other words, win them with uh, uh, a great concert-like atmosphere of high-energy music and pyrotechnics, and that's what you've won them to, if that's why people are coming, which is great while they're coming. It's great until somebody starts doing it better. Then what happens? But it works the other way, too. I once worked at a church, very traditional piano, organ, you know, that kind, choir. And one week, this was back in the 90s, one week, uh, the pastor went to a Willow Creek conference. Willow Creek's one of the largest churches in America, the pioneer in contemporary church. And he was wowed by the band and the lights and the energy. So what did he do? He came home and before the next Sunday had recruited a full band, drums, electric guitar, bass, singers. And the next Sunday when that band began to lead literally, and I, I mean, I'm actually using the term literally, literally, Nearly half the church got up and walked out and did not come back. He have just church in one day. Now, for the record, I think that was kind of a boneheaded way to go about making some change and like leading. But as much as we like to think, oh, it's those people out there that are consumers. It's the flashy. It's not our little micro church. Well, that's not us. As much as we like to think that those bigger expressions of church, the megachurch, that that's the true home of consumers. What that really revealed in the people who walked out was not that they were there to worship God or, or that their prime commitment was to him or even to each other in community, but rather to their own preferences. They were willing to walk away at a moment's notice from a community that many of them had been a part of for decades when something didn't go as they hoped or to their liking or to their preference. They were consumers, one, not by, and two, the good news of the kingdom of God, but a certain style. So what's the shift? What's the crucial move we need to make in ourselves if we're ever going to be the communities that we need to be for ourselves, for each other, for the world? the communities that God is calling us to be. The shift is, it's easily said, but it's a little harder with our current modes of thinking about church. 
And it's this, moving from consumption to mission. The shift that has to happen within each one of us is that we have to move from church being something we consume to these communities being a mission that we are on. From seeing church as a provider of religious goods and services to seeing community as a place where our illusions of the God we wish to have are stripped away. Where our illusions of church as a place that meets not just my needs, but my wants, my preferences. Community as a place where I receive is replaced by community where I encounter the God who is. And I am challenged to wrestle with the word and informed and shaped by his spirit into someone who looks ever more like his son and then sent out together to join him in changing the world as we proclaim with our words and our works the good news of the kingdom of God. How does this shift from consumption to mission happen? Grab your Bibles, if you have them, or fire up the app and look at the book of Hebrews. Uh, someone mentioned this morning that Bob's got a little PTSD from preaching up here because the last time I did it, there was somebody that came up and thought we were going a little bit long because they had the space after us. So I'm kind of in the back of my head. I'm just waiting for the tap on the shoulder. So we're, we're good. We have it till two. Thank you so much, Jesse. I really appreciate you looking out for us. Uh, I was told 20 minutes and I'm going to try to stick to that though. So uh, Hebrews chapter five, verses 11 through 14. Now prepare yourselves. This one's kind of harsh. There is, a, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Uh, for those that don't know, the book of Hebrews has no writer ascribed to it. And sometimes I wonder if this isn't the reason so that they could say stuff like this anonymously. You have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Wow, that is not exactly subtle, is it? But what is this writer of Hebrews trying to say? What's the main point here? There's a point at which if you are not feeding your child, you are a terrible parent, right? We can all agree on that. There's also a point at which if you are still feeding your child, you're a terrible parent, right? Part of the maturity process is learning to use the fork, the spoon, the knife, to bring the food to your own mouth. A while ago, luckily for us, we reached the point in parenting, or at least I did, where when my kids say, I'm hungry, I say, seems like your arms and legs work pretty well. Go make yourself a sandwich. And they do. The same dynamic is true in our spiritual maturity. And I'm constantly astounded when supposedly mature people leave a church community because I wasn't being fed. In a day, back then, when the most educated person in the church was most likely the pastor, 
that might have made sense. I wasn't being challenged to be more like Jesus. Yes, I can understand that. I wasn't being fed. No. That's something we need to learn to do for ourselves. And more, what does the writer say? You should be feeding others. Teaching others what you have learned about what it means to follow Jesus. The first part of the shift from consumption to mission happens when we begin to think about and meet the needs of others. We already looked at Philippians 2, but go back there just for a second. This passage that we meditated on. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. How would you describe the attitude of Jesus here? What's Paul telling us? I think the piece for us today, Paul says Jesus emptied himself, not of his divinity, but of his rights, his privileges, took on the form of a servant in obedience, poured himself out, gave himself up for you and me. And Paul says, have that attitude. The key to unity, love, working together in community is not getting everybody on the same page, but everyone giving up the right to have their own page, right? Everyone, unity is not us all agreeing. Unity is when we recognize that it's not so important that you agree with me or I agree with you, that we can disagree without disengaging. Everyone pouring themselves out on behalf of others, moving from liking what Jesus has done for me to following, imitating it, and most crucially, doing it for others. The second part of this shift, if we're going to move from consumption to mission, is we need to change the direction of the flow. From everything flows to me, from everyone else, this inward flow, to flowing from me to everyone else, outward. Imagine a community where the chief thought is not my rights, my privileges, my desires, my preferences, but where everyone is absolutely set not on themselves, but on the people around them. Changing the flow from filling ourselves to emptying ourselves on behalf of others. This shift happens in three parts as we mature to use the the writer of Hebrews language, as we mature from one way of looking at community to another. There are three ways to critique what happens in community, to judge, say, your Sunday morning experience. The first is the easiest and, and it's the least mature, the one that we all default to. How is church today? Oh, I liked it. Or, oh, I didn't like it, right? The music was good. The music wasn't. Bob was funny. Bob was boring. 
whatever. It checked my boxes. The next is, it's slightly more mature. I may or may not have liked it, but it did something good in me. I needed it. It wasn't about was I entertained, but did I open myself up enough to be changed? I engaged in worship, whether I liked the songs or the style, I was attentive to God speaking to me, whether the woman or the man that was preaching was engaging. I allowed it to make a difference for me. I was formed. And as good as that second one is, and as much as we continue to say that what we do together is formation for mission, it's not enough until we get to, it doesn't matter if I liked it or not. I did something for someone else. That is, I made a difference for someone else. I came, I saw a need. Someone seemed lonely. And so I sat and talked with them. Someone who needed help, I offered my time and resources later. Someone who was new, I welcomed them, invited them in, asked them what their story was. I was community for someone else. And in the process, as a byproduct, created community for myself. I got a letter from someone once, a couple who came to our church uh, pretty hurt, needing love, friendship, community. And that's exactly what they found. And their letter said, we felt so welcomed and a strong, strong community, which really helped us to grow and get us to the place where we were at, where we are at. And where was that? It was a place of not needing community anymore. Yeah, some of those who have been in church leadership are laughing, that laugh of, oh yeah, I get that. I've heard that. A feeling strong enough to stand without community. And so they wrote to tell us that they were leaving, and I thought that is so backwards. To come and experience healing and good things and not feel the need to stick around and offer that to the next people who walk through the door, hurting, broken, ready to give community one last try. To me, that's the ultimate consumption, the ultimate anti-mission mindset. One of the things I used to say a lot when I was planting a church was, we are not going to meet your needs. I'd always pause there because, you know, for effect. We are not going to meet your needs. Your needs will get met, but primarily by the people sitting next to you, not the people standing up here. Because we'd like to think that when we say community, we mean it. But in order for that to happen, we need to shift from a consumption mindset to a mission one. Listen, if you're here and you're, and you're not yet sure about this whole Jesus thing, you're just kind of checking things out, Know that you are welcome, whatever your story. The communities represented here want to create a space for you to explore that, to discover who Jesus is in the best context there is to discover that community of people who are being transformed by him. If you're here and you've come into one of these communities hurting and needing space to breathe, it's okay. I want to give you that. community of people who together are discovering the healing that comes when we lean into what God is doing in our lives. But if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, a follower of Christ, you need to know this. The church is not here for you. You are here for the church, your community. And your community, the church, is here for the world. 
Jesus did not die to make you into a slightly more religious consumer. That's not what he was after. He died to bring you alive to God and to a desperately needy world. The church exists. These communities, your microchurch, this network of churches exist to point you towards God and form you for his mission. So if you, you know, kind of split your time between churches, bop around a little bit, just kind of float between a few, stop. Either give up your rights and preferences to what you find appealing there and commit here, or give up your preferences and rights for what you find special here and commit there. But whatever you do, commit. If church for you is more like Starbucks, you know, you have one that you consider yours. It's the one you always go to, but you only go when you want to get something, right? Go deeper. Commit and begin to give yourself to God's people as they join in God's mission for the sake of a world that God loves and has died to save. Did you catch the flow as we read the Apostles' Creed, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the church. We serve a God of mission, ascending God, who sent his son into the world to proclaim the kingdom, that God's rule and reign and life under it was available to anyone who wanted it and would give themselves to it. God the Father and God the Son sent God the Spirit who inhabits our lives when we enter that kingdom transforming us more and more into the people that we were meant to be, people who look like Jesus. And together, Father, Son, and Spirit send us, the community of Jesus, into the world to continue proclaiming that kingdom, letting all know through how we, how we love, how we speak, how we work, how we serve. Through the words of life we speak and the invitations that we offer, that God himself is inviting them into his kingdom of love and mercy. So this morning, Syndicate, may we follow the one who laid down his rights, his preferences, his very life for our sake. And may we do the same for the sake of others. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all the communities represented here, the microchurches, the networks, for the syndicate as a whole, God. May this style of church not just be a preference for us, something we prefer, but God, may we allow these communities that we are increasingly giving ourselves to, to form and shape us, for your mission. God, we don't always know how that forming and shaping happens, and sometimes it happens not because we like everything that's happening, but because we don't. Because something rubs us the wrong way. That is the formation, the magic of church community. Thank you for putting us in a space where we can practice love, practice kindness, practice forgiveness. God, may we practice it more and more, not just for our own sake, not just for the sake of others around us, but for the sake of this world that you love. 
It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the Connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.